we have a, a new picture on the altar just over my right shoulder. And that is the picture of uh, Sojin Mel Weitzman, former abbot of uh, Berkeley Zen Center. And uh, he was also co-abbot with Reb Anderson at uh, San Francisco Zen Center. Um, Sojin Roshi uh, died um, Thursday afternoon, late Thursday afternoon. So uh, I want to say a few words about Sojin. Um, he was a student of Suzuki Roshi's. Uh, was quite uh, close to him, is, is my understanding. Before he came to practice, he was an abstract artist and also a cab driver. Um, and he's uh, two of the people that I know personally who, like many of us, came to practice later in life. Uh, both he and Blanche were older uh, when they came to San Francisco Zen Center and studied with Suzuki Roshi. And Mel still practiced 50 years. <laughs> uh, it's it quite a long practice life. Uh, and at, at San Francisco Zen Center, there are essentially uh, two lineages that come from San Francisco Zen Center. One is through Tension Reb Anderson, and the other is Sojin Roshi. And uh, Mal is my Dharma great-grandfather. You could say he was he was Blanche's teacher. He gave trans, Dharma transmission to Blanche, who passed it on to my teacher and then to me. I was lucky enough to do um, the last full practice period that Mel uh, Sojin Roshi did in 2005 at, uh, at Tassajara. That was the last full practice period he led. After that, he, he uh, would do half of a practice period and split it with, with another teacher. Uh, but in um, winter of 2005, um, we got to have three months with Mel. He, he led the practice period at 75, 75 years old. And in the conditions at Tassajara is, is not that easy because it's cold and it's damp in the wintertime. Uh, one of his students once described him as Frighteningly, frighteningly ordinary. Uh, Mel is much like his student Norman. He gave Dharma transmission to Norman Fisher. Um, and that just, there's, a, there's an everydayness. There was always an, every, an everydayness about um, about Mel and about his teachings. His teachings were ordinary, everyday teachings. And um, I had, had Dokusan with Mel once. once. 
And I asked him, uh, how long had you been practicing when Suzuki Roshi asked you to go to Berkeley and head up the Berkeley Zen Center? And he held up three fingers. He said, you know, three years. He'd been practicing for three years when Suzuki Roshi asked him to go to Berkeley. But he said he, he, he made it very, very clear to the, to the Sangha there that he wasn't a teacher. And so he, there was uh, always a crystal clear way that Sojin had about his, uh, his role, no matter what his role was. He was absolutely clear about it. And um, Blanche uh, liked to tell the story about Mel that um, this is probably telling tales out of school, but she, she told it in a, in a senior staff uh, meeting at the city center when I was there that um, Mel had, uh, Sojin had set so much Zazen that he wore the seat out of his robes out of his sitting robes, out of his karomo. And for a while, he walked around with this hole in the back of his robes because he was kind of so proud of having worn out, set so much zazen that he wore the seat out of his karomo. And uh, Blanche said that um, she went to him one day, she goes, you might want to do something about that. That doesn't look as good as you think it does. <laughs> But that's a lot of zazen, and that's really um, that is uh, really one of the legacy. One of uh, Sojin Roshi's legacies was the importance of carrying on Suzuki Roshi's teachings, and also um, I think I think because he came to practice later in life, work was very important. So um, normally at, at, at Tassajara, um, your personal days are, are what we call four and nine days. There are days that end in either four or nine. And Sojin, uh, during the practice period, uh, had the day uh, the three and eight days the days before a personal day, uh, he had those as work days. So a lot of work got done at Tassajara. Uh, he really valued work practice, uh, as did as did uh, Blanche. So that, that's something. It's it's one of the things that. Uh, I really appreciated about him was just was uh, how our life was not separate from practice. There wasn't a zendo life, and then an outside life. There was it was all practice life. And I just want to would like to conclude this part of it by one one of his. Uh, one of his teachings that I always try to keep with me, one of his sayings was, 
Never take offense, even if it's offered. I, I think it helps if you're thick skinned, you know, it, it makes it a little bit easier. But that, you know, the teaching was that it's never personal. That no, no matter um, what is said to us, uh, it's, it's, per, it's personal. And, and we shouldn't take it that way. So thank you very much, Sojin, for your for your life, your practice life, your teaching life, and for the totality of your life and for continuing this uh, marvelous practice that we have and helping it flourish. Mel had a lot of students, he ordained quite a lot of folks. He, I think he gave Dharma transmission um, to quite a few folks because it was, it was of utmost importance to him that, that, the, that the Dharma flourish and spread and be propagated. And he wanted people to do that. It was very important to Suzuki Roshi and Mel continued that. So we have many teachers in our in our life, in our practice lives. We have the and and then we have um, the practice of having a root teacher, someone who's our main teacher. But we also have other teachers in our life. Um, I myself, in terms of how I related to my, my seniors, my Dharma seniors, I never really cottoned to the, to the term teacher. I really, the tendency more to see them as mentors. People who could show me uh, positively and negatively how to be or how not to be. Um, for me, by seeing uh, if we have a, a, a teacher, there's it's easy to think that the teacher is way up here and we're way down here. And then uh, I think mentor kind of closes that gap. Another way we could think of it is like an apprentice, being an apprentice. But when we, when we soften around the idea of what we conventionally call a teacher, um, then we realize how many we actually have in our life. How many teachers, how many mentors we have in our life who um, aid us in unexpected ways and in unexpected times. I think also um, 
whenever we adhere to the conventional idea of a teacher, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, whenever we can adhere to what we conventionally think of as a teacher, there's a, I think a little bit of a propensity to give up our power. And then there's often kind of the, the model of just say, just say yes. And it takes us a while in practice to kind of reclaim our, our power. And for me, uh, a big a um, that came, I think. In 2006, when I when I moved from Tassajara to City Center, I think at Tassajara there were only a couple of teachers at the time. I think it was it was uh, my teacher and Leslie James. And when I was preparing to go to City Center to be the work leader. I guess student manager, I found myself thinking, oh, this is be great. I, you know, all these senior folks that I can have practice discussion with <clears throat> and work with up there. And what I what I found was when I got up there, there wasn't anybody that I really had a a close connection to. Because my teacher was staying in, in uh, Tassajara, and then uh, and then the, the the light went on for me, and I realized, wait a minute, I'm actually the one who's responsible for my practice. Up until that point, <clears throat> I think I had unknowingly. given up responsibility for my, for my practice or, or that my teacher was in charge of my practice. But actually, I was the one that was responsible for my practice. I was the one who was responsible for, for getting me to the Zendo and sitting, because <clears throat> at City Center, they don't come, they don't come, uh, the Tankin doesn't come find you if you're not in the Zendo. And plus, since I was on, and I was on senior staff, I had to set an example and be in, and be in the zendo. At least that was how I saw it. But up until that point, we don't really realize how much we're relying on our teachers and our and, and senior practitioners. And that was very clear to me. Uh, I think about. Three months after I'd been at Tassajara, <clears throat> um, one of the one of my seniors told me that she and her husband and their little girl were going to go to Green Gulch, and I had, I had this moment of feeling kind of gutted. And, and, and the words that actually went through my mind was, who's going to take care of me? 
and that that happens that happens in small places like San Antonio Zen Center is when there is someone who was first here when we come to practice and then they leave that person leaves a big hole And it takes us a while to get over it because we think of that person as kind of personifying the Zen center or personifying practice for us. And then it's not until we, we are in practice for a while that we realize, oh, you know, it's kind of like the old saying, they come, they go, mostly they go. People are always coming and going from Zen centers. We miss them when they're gone. And then we end up becoming that for future practitioners, people who come to the Zen center, whether we know it or not. We never know how important we are to people until, until we leave and they're angry at us for, for having left, or upset with us for having left. Or they say something later like, oh, you know, I was really sad when you left. So the teachers in our lives, the seniors in our lives, they do, they personify practice for us. In, in one form or another, have a very, very important role in our lives. And it's also important to have multiple teachers, multiple mentors. Even if you have a root teacher, a root mentor, I think it fleshes us out in a way. And not all Zen teachers have my view. So I, I want to make sure that people are, are, are aware of that, that uh, particularly someone who may be listening to this talk, who may go to their teacher and said, you know, this, this guy in San Antonio says we should have multiple teachers. And that's not how it works at that Zen Center. This is, this is a, just my two cents, my thoughts, my personal experience. And we and you need to find what works for you. For some for some folks, it's very important that they only have one teacher that they work with very, very, very closely. And that is very important to do. And for others, it's to have that that root teacher that they work very closely with. But uh, also work with other, with other folks, with the permission of your teacher. I've always asked, I always asked my teacher uh, for his blessings for whenever I would work, whenever I would work with someone else.
what we find whenever we whenever the light goes on and we realize that we are responsible for our practice is the moment where we where we where our practice really truly becomes empowered begins the process of uh, we're, we're standing on our own two our own two dharma feet so to speak and how that comes about is can come to a myriad way of events um, but if if we are um, really paying attention if we're if we're practicing with our heart it happens it happens and it's a very healthy thing to do to have happen and um, as I said it's really where we stand on our own, on our begin standing on our own feet We're not leaning on the teacher so much anymore, uh, but they're still there uh, in case we need to steady ourselves from time to time. So there's, I, th I think um, these last 10 months have been an opportunity for a lot of folks to really uh, explore their practice, see what their practice is all about and um, taking responsibility for practice, for your practice. Because uh, we, we now meet five times a week on Zoom, but there's a lot of time in between where we're not in we may have the voice that says, oh, it's, you know, it's more like a body recognition. I need to sit, it's time to sit, you know. Or we might have Mara whispering in our ear saying, you don't really need to sit. And then we go sit, you know. Suzuki Roshi said, uh, you should sit you should you should sit. Um, what was it he said? Something like you should sit for ten minutes every day, unless you don't have the time, and then you should sit for an hour. You know, that's usually when we most need it. He also said, um, "This is one of my one of my favorite stories about Suzuki Roshi." Was a student came to him and said. I'm going to be working on my PhD. Um, I'm going to have to write my dissertation, so I'm not going to be able to be at the Zen Center as much as I would like. And Suzuki Roshi said, but that's fine. Make writing your dissertation your practice. <clears throat> and then a few months in, the student was just feeling exhausted and overwhelmed with his dissertation and decided that he would go sit at the Zen Center. And so um, 
after the morning Jundo, the offering, there was a tap on his shoulder and he turned and Suzuki Roshi was there. And Suzuki Roshi said, why aren't you at home working on your dissertation? This is, this is what, you know, like what, what, a, what a teacher does for us is to remind us of what our, what our intentions are, you know, and, and helps us return to them. So that is, that is all that I have. Um, I want to see if anyone has any questions or comments.